Welcome to J-Root Radio. This is the Halakha Hour here on J-Root Radio. We are broadcasting live on the 22nd of February, the last week of Shvat, Chafafav Shvat, and next week, Be'ezat Hashem, this Motza'e Shabbat and Sunday is going to be that means Sunday and Monday, it's going to be Rosh Chodesh Adar, Mishnechnas Adar, Marbim Besimcha, which see a lot of Simachot, Barzat Hashem. Looking forward to the Halachot of Purim, which will be next week, which means that today's Halachot will be the last on the series of these Halachot of Halachot Shabbat before we go into the holiday mode. Usually when it comes around um, at that time, we talk about, first of all, we talk about Purim, then we talk about Pesach, and then in between Pesach and Shavuot, the special topics that usually come up, and so, because of that, we have a lot to speak about today. We want to conclude today the halachot of Libun and everything that's connected to the halachot of Libun. So, I hope we're still clear and slow, and I don't put too much in. But if I do, please call us at the end of the show. The, the number here is 718-683-5858. Please call us for any questions, any clarification. You could text us also at 347-927-8398. And of course, email us at halakhahour at gmail.com. Again, we want to finish up all the halakhot because once we go into the holidays to come back, we're going to forget. So we're going to start something new. So let's pick up a little bit from what we learned last week and then conclude. We're in the middle of the halakhot of dry cleaning. Dry cleaning means, say, over here, we're cleaning a garment without the use of liquid. As we saw last week, we learned that there are two isurim when one cleans his cloth without liquid. And that means there's two ways that one could do it. Number one is by scrubbing. You have a certain stain and you scrub it and you clean it off. That halakha we finished with. So if you still ha- don't have it clear, go to the archives and you could listen to all these halakhot. Halakha number two that we learned last week is that according to the majority of opinions, and certainly according to all opinions, it's lechat halah, that a person who dusts off his garment on Shabbat, that means you have dust on your garment and you want to take it off, you want to dust it off, we can talk about those details today, then it will be Asur, possibly Isur Deoraita even, and you need to have three conditions. The three conditions we mentioned are, it has to be new, it has to be dark colors, and you have to be a person that cares that you wouldn't wear it under normal circumstances in such a way, unless you dust it. Now, on these halachot, we will focus today these on these halachot, but we would just want to review a small few points that I believe we need for today's halacha. The case of scrubbing, as opposed to this case of shaking off the garment, believe it or not, scrubbing your scrubbing your garment to clean the to clean the dirt from it is only assumed banana because you're not using any liquid. However, in the case of dusting off your garment, that is the ones who forbid it to hold that it's deoraita. The Rishonim that hold that's asur, they hold that it's deoraita. And therefore, most Ahronim said, be careful not to do it because there's, since there's a Rishonim, there are Rishonim that hold that's deoraita, so be careful not to do it. Now, on the condition that says that a person cares about it, and this is really one, the main condition from these three conditions, we said has to be new and it has to be dark colors and they have to be meticulous. The Shmirat Shabbat Kilchata points out that caring is defined by the person. Excuse me, caring is defined by the garment, not the person. Meaning to say, if this is a garment that you care 
to dust, to clean, and he wouldn't wait under normal circumstances, then it becomes asur to do on Shabbat. But if you're only doing so because it's Shabbat or because you're going to meet your future in-laws, outlaws, I don't know who you're meeting today, but you're going, but because there's something special today, that's not called caring. Not everybody agrees with this premise. The Chani, Rav Nisim Karelitz, Shalita disagrees. He holds, as long as you care, that's going to be a problem. But, this should be not in the name of Shomo Zaman Orbach. It's a uh, big enough shoulders to rely on him that if you normally don't care for this garment just today, you care because it's Shabbat and you're in front of people, you're speaking somewhere by Shevrachos or in the shul, then it would not be a problem. Now, I want to review one more point, and that is that although dusting off a garment, a lot of people forbid it, we saw that really, according to Shohan Aruch, the Mechaber, Maran, really, it's mutar. And therefore, the Svardim have a little bit more leeway over here. But, Lechatala, everybody certainly agrees, one should not dust off his garments. Let's come back now and finish up this halakha of dusting off one's garment. We saw that when cleaning one's garment when it's dry, there could be three types of stains. Either it's an external stain, which just comes right off, slides right off, and that we saw everybody agrees that's mutar. Or it could be a stain where it's partially the garments and partially, you know, sticking out. Like, for example, we saw like a stain from hummus or from mud. Those we saw the different halakhot last week, they're too detailed, so I'm not going to go into it right now. Um, if you keep a stain, that means if you remove the external stain, but there's still an appearance of a, of a stain, that means there's still a stain mark from the seepage that's in your fibers, that everybody will agree that's mutar. If there isn't, then you have to go to last week's class. Now we're dealing with the stain, with not the stains, but really the dust that gets in between the fabric. And this is known as ni'ur begadim, dusting off your garment. So let's first define what is called dusting a garment. So number one is, which is the literal translation of the issue that's brought down in halakha, ni'ur begadim. Ni'ur lena'ir means to shake off. If you're probably familiar with the word, which is, uh, we had it two weeks ago in the, in the Haftarah, when it talks about Deborah, Uri, Uri, Deborah, wake up, wake up. That's how you wake up a person. You shake him up, right? Come out, no, no, wake up. You shake up the person. You shake him up. That's Lena'ir. The, the shake, shaking a garment, that means, you imagine you have a garment, let's say it's your wool jacket, men or women, it doesn't make a difference, it applies by the way to everybody, men and women, all Jews. So anyway, you have your jacket and you're dusting it, you know, you're sh- shaking up the garment to take off the dust, that is under the category of dusting off your garment, that's asur. Also, not only dusting off the garment by shaking it, also by dusting a garment which is, for example, beating it. Let's say you take your hand and you tap or you hit the place of the dust, which is how we normally dust off a garment. Or even if you use a stick, if you use a stick, if you take a stick and you whack and you hit your coat very hard and all the dust comes out, that is also included in the in the uh, isur of dusting off your garment. Let's give you some examples of what's called dusting off a garment. Now, they might seem a little harsh because we all, you know, 
preferably we don't we don't like to get dirty, but when we get dirty and especially in front of people, that we could be it could be very very uncomfortable that you have to walk around with this dirt on you and not taking it off. You know, it's embarrassing and everything else. We'll talk about those things later on. But first, let's give you first what's asur. Let's say for example, a person is walking. He's wearing a brand new dark suit, and he fell. He falls and naturally all over the floor there's always dust whether you see it or not you'll see it on your garment now you see your garments all full of dust that is a problem when it's so dusty like when it's so dirty full of dirt and obviously this is a jacket or this is a suit that you usually are makpeed on it that's that looks new with this dust and makes it look now unwearable this is an example what's a suit to dust it off another case is a person's black hat usually i don't know Okay, in general, when you have a brand new black hat, not brand new, but a pretty new black hat, that is also a problem. Or let's say a lady is wearing a skirt and, of course, very long and very tsanua and wide. And therefore, as she's walking by a wall, sometimes the walls have like, let's say it's a new house and they didn't clean the walls yet, you know. It gets very dusty from the wood or whatever it is. And now she has old, you know all types of dust on her skirt and it's dark colors where you could see clearly the dust on it. That's also no problem to dust it. And one last example is when a person has a rug, dark colors, dust on the, on dark colors appears and you have a rug and you want to dust it off now. And it's, you know, dark colors that you could see the dust on it. Those are all cases of uh, dusting a garment, which is a sur. We're going to talk about practical cases and how to you know what would should you do when these kind of things happen but we'll first point out with the post scheme right and that is that being that dusting is asur it's not a you know it's not i wouldn't say it's exira but they all recommend that one should not leave his jacket or his uh his hat or anything that you know if it gets you know that he cares about the looks that if it gets dirty don't leave them in a place where it could get dirty don't leave them in a place where it fall and then it gets all dirty and you have to come on to dust it. So let's say you go to Simcha and uh, and you're leaving your hat somewhere, especially in the summer, and they have, a, you know, outdoors that let you put your stuff outdoors. Don't leave it in a place where you know some kids might drop it on the floor and it's going to become all dirty or it's going to be on the rug. Excuse me, or it's going to be on, uh, on the grass. It's going to fall. Make sure you avoid these kind of places. It's much better in our days than in those days. In those days, all the floors were pretty dirty. And nowadays, it's a little bit cleaner, but still... Avoid dirty spots or putting your clothing that you care about in an area that it might fall and get all, you know, dusty and dirty that you have to come on to clean it. Now, what's called really dirty? How dirty is dirty that we say it's asur? For example, you look at the floor when you walk, you don't necessarily see dirt. Meanwhile, nobody would eat anything off the floor. And if your jacket falls on the floor, you right away will dust it. You see the dust on your jacket, but yet it doesn't appear on the floor. So what's called really dirty? So now, dirty it has to be that there's an appearance of dirt. For example, take a regular chair or a couch, let's say, and it's a couch, preferably it's a little bit older and it's been used. You look at it, it doesn't look dirty, but if you hit it, you'll see a lot of dirt comes out. You know, a lot of dust will come out of it. Because naturally, dust will be everywhere. It appears more on dark, sharp colors. 
Like, for example, you look at a bookcase, you see a lot of dust when it's not being dust, it's not being cleaned. That's, so there's dust really everywhere. The dust that we're talking about that's asur has to be that it ruins the appearance, that you can see it. And that's why the conditions are there. That's got to be a new garment, it's got to be dark, because the appearance of dust has to show. If you don't see any dust, that's not the garment that we're speaking about. And the Aruch HaShohan points out, really the main thing is that a person cares. The new and the dark condition, the conditions that we said are if it's new or if it's dark, and if a person cares that not to wear it otherwise. But really, the, he explains, the Aruch HaShohan explains that new and dark are really just situations that people usually care. That means if your garment is not new and or it's not dark, but you're a person that cares that you wouldn't will go out with such when it's all dirty like that, so then you're right, it's gonna be a problem. You cannot dust it. According to the ones that hold it's a sort of dust, you cannot dust your garment, such a garment on Shabbat, because you care to clean on Shabbat. Because keep in mind, cleaning such a dusting such a garment is a form of libun, it's a form of uh, uh, laundry. Right? If you care to dust such a garment, that means the appearance, you wouldn't wear such a jacket when it's all dusty like that. So that shows clearly that when you clean it, it's an act that is significant to render it forbidden. Okay, so therefore, we come back now to your suit. A lot of people ask a question. How new is my suit? I mean, you know, I don't take it so much to the cleaners, maybe once a year to on Pesach, and even then maybe, I don't know, right? But it doesn't get really dirty. It's not the same. So I have seven suits and I alternate. They don't really get dirty. And especially I come home right after the shuda, I take it off and I don't wear it till I go back to shul. So really, you know, how new is it new? Yeah, I wear it like this, but, it, you know, technically it's never been washed. And even when I take it, I only take it to dry cleaners. So what's called really new? An answer is how much do you care about it? How much do you care to wear it that way? If it gets, not stained, we're talking about dust now. If it gets so dusty, would you walk out with this? Under normal circumstances, would you walk out with it or not? So usually I would say, that's something that's very, very dusty. Let's say a person fell on top of dirt, on top of grass. Most people will not continue to wear that garment that way. So then it will be forbidden to dust it off. Most people. If you're, if you're an exception... We go by you. We don't go by Rav Aulam. But most people, usually, if it's very dirty, they'll not wear it that way. question is, that when it's not so dirty, it's not so bad. So then, that's why you ask you. Whoever you are, if you want to decide that, you have to call me up, you have to send me a picture, especially on Shabbat. Don't send me pictures on Shabbat. My phone doesn't work. Anyway, and also, you shouldn't do it. So, the, when you fall, do you, under normal circumstances, would you go, if, you, if I tell you you can't dust it, would you still wear it? I'm not talking about that you have to because you're stuck. No, I'm talking about you have what to change, but you're not going to put the effort to go change. It's not worth to go upstairs and take off my clothing and change again. So then, okay, you don't care so much about it. It's not a big deal to dust it off because it's not so new to you. So then the gezerah doesn't apply here. Remember, it's only applicable, the isur is only applicable when you care. When you don't care, it's not a, it's not a problem. So now, when... When a person has dust on his garment, it could be on your hat, it could be on your jacket, it could be on your skirt, and it's in a situation where a person cares. It, there's so much dust, there's so much dirt on it that you do care, so what could we do practically? 
So really, we said, if you like the opinions that hold it's asur, really you're stuck. It's asur. The best is to go, you know, the halakha is, go change. If you don't care, if you care not to walk this way, you go change. If changing is not an option, so then what you could do is one of the following two things. If you're really, if it's really, really bad and you have to go, and if you have to be somewhere, for example, uh, it's Shevbachas, it's one of the, uh, and you have to be there, so it's on Shabbos, it's one of your relatives that you have to, you know, you have to be there. And not talking about Shevbachas for someone that, you know, you just happen to see down the block, you know, you know, there's people that those like, um, the, 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 the good Shabbos Jews, you know, the ones that you just say good Shabbos to and that's it, you know, so they're polite, out of politeness, they'll tell you, oh, we have a Shabbos that's passed by. And that don't mean that you should pass by. It's kind of like in Arabic when we say Tfadal. It doesn't mean come over. It just means it's a nice way of saying good morning. You know, how are you? Good morning. Oh, we have Shabbos that's come by. Don't really come. So, well, you don't really have to be there. Okay? So such a case where you don't really have to be there, you can't really use the following Heterim. The Vahim are only in the case where a person must be in a certain place and he cannot change. So then you could use the following Heterim. What are these Heterim? The Heterim is either clean it with your elbow, which is a Shinui. That means instead of dusting it, which is with your hand, that's how you normally dust, you could dust it using your arm, your sleeve. That's how, you know, you, basically you're dusting it in a way that's Shinui. Number two, you can ask a goy to dust it. This is, a, now, the goy is a little bit more lenient. Because we'll tell you why in a second. But let's explain why. Why are we allowing you, if dusting is asumi deoraita, according to the ones that hold it asumi deoraita, why are we allowing to do in the shinu? Doing in the shinu should be asodira banan. An answer is, there's something called kabod haberiyot. Kabod haberiyot, Hazal tell us, gado kabod haberiyot, how great is Kabod Abriyot, the having the, the respect and dignity of another of a, of a Jew of a person that could even push away an Isur. Now, what sounds like Lotase, it doesn't mean Lotase over here. Hazal explained it could push away an Isur de Rabbanan. So, therefore, like we said, like the Shemash Shabbat brings uh, points out, if you have to be somewhere and it's not dignified that you should be there and, and you have all this dirt on you and all this dust so you could tell a goy to dust it even though telling a goy to do it is Isudira Banan because if it's Isudira to you telling a goy to do it is Isudira Banan in this case you could be lenient because of Kibot Abriyot if you can't find a goy you could use a sleeve to scrub it off why? just only do it lightly don't rub it just do it lightly why in this case again out of kabod abriyot it's an isud but because it's necessary you need to do it. you need to be there so you could be lenient in such a situation so now let's bring down over here three cases three practical most practical cases that we believe happen when it comes to dusting a garment number one is brushing hats we know we got a few questions from this in the past What's the whole story? Could you brush your hat on Shabbat? Could you not brush it? So let's explain. The Bureau Halakha brings down that even according to situations where one is permitted to dust off a garment, for example, you don't care about it. You know, sometimes you have a hat for a while and you don't care so much that it's dusty. Oh, somebody has to point out, by the way, your hat is dusty. Okay, so, no, clean it. We're, we're here, you're embarrassing us. Okay, fine, you know. The, 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 the young man that's... Um, 
that you know either not in Shaduchim or he's a little older for Shaduchim. He's already married and he's got a few kids, so he's not he doesn't care so much. Anyway, so in such a case where you don't care, remember we said if you don't care, really there's no problem, there's no problem dust it. So if your wife cares, who cares? She cares, so maybe she shouldn't dust it. But for me, it's not a problem. You could dust your hat. But there the Biur Halakha says, do not use a hat brush. Why not? So the real reason why the Biur Halakha forbids a hat brush because their hat brushes were a little bit different from ours. But still, our hat brushes, most poskim forbade it. Why? Because of different reasons, but mainly because of Din Dehol. This is how you normally clean your hat during the weekday. You use a hat brush to clean it, where you scrub on it, and therefore on Shabbat, you must do it in a way that's different. So if you want to clean your hat on Shabbat, so you, and again, it's in this situation where it's either not so new, that means you don't care about it, or even if you care about it, but you want to do it in a way that's lightly done, so there you could do it, again, by doing, without using a hat brush. This is according to the opinion of most poskim. Most poskim forbade using a hat brush. If a person has to clean it, she use his sleeve to clean his hat. However, Hakam permits using a hat brush. He does not consider a hat brush obdin dehon. I would love to explain to you how and what, but the whole sugya of obdin dehol is uh, is not easy. It's really not easy. I'm not telling you it's not easy because I can't explain it. No, no. I, I don't understand it so clear. I don't have it so clear to tell you that this is Obdin Dehol and this is not Obdin Dehol because I find it that the cases are not consistent. True, there's a lot of Ahronim that speak about it. If you want to look into it, for the men who want to look into it, look in Be'er Moshe Halik Alif. I believe Siman Lamid Gimel, Lamid Bet. He discusses it a lot. There's a lot of other post scheme and uh, they have different guidelines of what's called Obdin Dehol. So, I just bring down the opinions. Who am I to stick my nose and say he's right, not right? There's a lot of different uh, discussions of exactly what's called of the Hall or not. By the hat brush, we saw that Hakam Bariya permitted it. and But most of the other post scheme that we saw, including Svaradi post scheme like the Orletzion, forbade using a hat brush. Another practical case of dusting things on Shabbat carpets. Now, but I have to point out, maybe we didn't say it in the past. Carpets and rugs are also subject to the Milchav Libun. Whether they're made out of cotton, which for sure, we said that could be the Oraita. Even if they're made out of other types of uh, material, like uh, polyester, acrylic, you know, these are uh, man-made material. According to a lot of opinions, it could also be a problem of Libun. And therefore, the following halakhot apply to carpets, even though we didn't point out to now, this applies to carpets that are grounded in the floor as well as to rugs. Number one, you cannot pour water on the spill. You have a you have a garment, um, excuse me, you have a spill that's spilled on your carpet. You can't take water and put water on it, even if you're not scrubbing it, it's asur. Number two, you can if there's a stain on your carpet, and usually happens when it's a light carpet, let's say there's an oil stain, you cannot take powder. And pour it on that stain on your carpet. Again, carpet is the same thing as clothes. It doesn't make a difference. Also, if you have a stain on your carpet, you cannot scrub it clean. And finally, if a person has a rug and he wants to, and it got dusty to the point that we said before, dusty where you could see the dust and it disturbs you, 
and it bothers you and you care, you you know, you wouldn't leave it out that way. So you cannot dust it off on Shabbat as well. However, any dirt that is external, you're allowed to remove. As long as it's not seeped in. Remember, if it's dusty, so dusty, and usually it doesn't happen on Shabbat, especially if you vacuum on a regular basis, you shouldn't see your carpet or rug so dirty on Shabbat. Possible, but usually it doesn't happen. So, therefore, any external dirt on your rug or on your carpet, you're allowed to remove it. That's not a problem. That's the same thing by we said by a jacket. Let's say you have something external, like let's say dangerous, or let's say you have, um, we said the example of feathers or other things that are just external, you want to just take it off. That's not a problem. Same thing over here. You have sunflower seeds, um, the shells that is on the floor, on the carpet, and all these are external. You want to take them off. That's not a problem at all. That's not called, you know, dusting on Shabbat. Dusting, like we said, has to be into the fibers. Now, when dusting or when cleaning, you're allowed to use a broom to clean your carpet, to clean your rug. However, poskim bring down that one should not use a carpet sweeper on Shabbat. This is what we call the um, cordless vacuum. Not cordless, that means, you know, it's not electric vacuum. The regular, you know, there's a vacuum that you that, that works with electricity. And there's one that, you know, we used to have this, it's called the, we used to call it the Shabbat vacuum, you know, because we only used it on Shabbat. But the poskim, however, forbid it. Why did they forbid it? Some say it's Abdin Dehon. And some say that since it's made for cleaning the carpet, so it's like it's Libun. Personally, I have my doubts and my uh, my my sefikot, my questions but oh, again the poskim brought it down i my opinion is on the side there's no point in even bringing up my opinion we're talking about big poskim that brought down that's an issue so therefore that's how we're going to say it there are the the, the poskim seem to agree that carpet sweepers should not be used on shabbat but again that's only talking about uh, carpet sweepers should not be used, but uh, brooming to use a broom to sweep the floor from all different types of external dust, that's not a problem. And all these issues are only by carpets or anything that's put on the floor that is, you know, that you, something could get absorbed in it. Anything that doesn't get absorbed, even dust could be taken off. For example, I don't know why you would have, but let's say you have, you have a spread of uh, nylon, I don't say rug, but let's say a spread of nylon, or anything that's basically, or let's say it's leather. So I don't know, maybe there's like, those carpets like the animal leathers, you know. Not talking about the actual hairs. It's actual real leather where nothing's getting absorbed in it. So all that external, anything that's external over there, there's no issue of dusting it. That's not a problem. In a case when it's very dusty and you really care, we said you cannot do it according to the opinions that forbid it, you could be lenient to allow a goy to sweep up the floor. He could even use, if he likes, he could even use a carpet sweeper to clean it up. Then it wouldn't be an issue. For you as a Jew to do it, it shouldn't be done. But asking a goy to do it is not an issue. Finally, the last thing we want to point out, maybe some people don't realize, are we're going to speak about wigs. Wigs and dirt getting stuck in between wigs. Number one is that, like this, any dirt that gets entangled in a person's hair could be dusted. Even if your hair is black and you care, of course we care, right? On a nat- on the body of a person, there's no such exit out. There's no issue to dust your hair if it's very long or if you have very long pace. There's no issue if it get- gets all dusty, you fell in the dirt, to dust it off. That's not a problem. However, l- wigs don't 
have the halakha of body, of the, the person's hair. Wigs have the halakha of a garment, right? The halakha looks at wigs as a garment. It's no different than your wool jacket or than your black hat. So therefore, according to halakha, if you have, let's say, the uh, dirt that gets in the lady's wig, she cannot dust it off. We have to be, be careful with that. This applies to other things, other types of dirt that are very, very fine. Let's say, for example, I don't know why this would happen, but let's say you open the closet or somebody opens the closet right above your head and wheat flour, you know, the ones that you bake with, comes out and gets on your wig. That's a problem to dust it off. It's like dusting off a person's jacket. It's like per- dusting off a person's um, hat. In fact, it's even more problematic because a person is very, very mukbeed. Usually ladies are very mukbeed when their wigs are dirty and therefore it will be an issue. What could you do? Like we said, you could ask a goat to dust it off. You could do it bishinui, use your sleeve to take off the dirt. Or like uh, if you can't find these two, you know, maybe uh, become a little bit sweaty and use a, uh, a snoot. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, let's come go to the next halachot, the halachot of folding clothing. Up to now, we've discussed all different types of cleaning garments. We've discussed about cleaning garments with liquid, known as libun. And we also discussed cleaning garments without using liquid, whether it's dusting or scrubbing a garment. And now, we're up to the last point in... Well, not the last point, but one of the last points in this subject of in these halachot. And that is folding garments on Shabbat. Now, really, folding garments should be categorized not under libun, but under the halachot of metaken mana, as we'll see what that means in a second. However, being that the Benish High brings it here, and Shohana Ruch brings it also in some mention bit on the halachot of libun, so therefore we're going to discuss it all together, and uh, if it comes up again, what comes up again, we're bringing it over here. Let's start with the Isur, the source of the Isur, and the just to, you know, give an idea of what in the world we're we talking about. Folding garments. Mishnah, Masechet, Shabbat. There's also Halakha, Brodans, Shuhan Aruch. And Shin Bet, Halakha, Gimel. In the Ben Ishai, he brings it in this week's parasha, Parashat Vayahei, that means that the one that we're learning. In Halakha, Yud Gimel. And it's all over. All the post-game, it's, it's Halakha. What is that? The Halakha tells us, the Mishnah says, that a person could only fold his clothing if he has four conditions. What are these four conditions? Number one, condition number one is that it could only be done by one person. Two people cannot fold the garment. Condition number two, and by the way, all these four conditions are, uh, what's it called? These four conditions is what's needed to fold your garment. If you don't do it in such a way, then okay, let's start again. I don't like the way I said it. Start again. Folding garments on Shabbat is asur when you don't have any of those four conditions, right? But if you have any of those four conditions, then you're fine. What are these four conditions? Number one is one person. It could only be done by one person. You cannot have two people. Number two is when it's new, it's never been washed, then you can fold it. Number three it's got to be white. And number four, you have nothing, You need this garment for Shabbat. You have nothing else. You cannot change. And therefore, you need to fold it. Then, with all these four conditions, then it's mutar. If any of these conditions are missing, then it's asur. 
So again, you need those four conditions in order to allow you to fold the garments on Shabbat. If you're missing any of those four conditions, it's as so what are these four conditions? Only one person could fold it. The item has got to be new. And it's white. And you have no other, other... And you need this garment because you have no other garment for Shabbat. Why? What in the world are we doing by folding a garment? What it's What's the Isur? Is it a Melacha? And the answer is, no, it's not a Melacha. It's an Isur de Rabbanan. Hazal were gozer. Since when you fold the garment, you create a crease. So it looks like you're fixing metakin mana. Metakin mana is an isu that we find throughout the halakha. That when a person is fixing a utensil, or some, in this case, you by you folding a garment to a certain crease, and you create this crease, you're shaping it. So by shaping it, it looks like you're metakin mana. And therefore, because of the appears like you're fixing an item, fixing a, a, a utensil. So therefore, it's asur min darabanan. It's not really fixing, it's not really shaping, but it appears that way, and therefore, hazal were gozer. Now you can understand why I need those four conditions. Because if one person is folding, and two people are folding, it's completely different. With two people, you can stretch out the garment much better, and you can completely remove all types of wrinkles to make a perfect crease. Also, we said condition number two, it has to be new, never washed, because usually garments, especially back then, when they're new, they're rougher. Once you wash them, they tend to become softer, and therefore when you make a fold there, it becomes more, it appears much better, it appears much more, and then becomes a problem. We said it has to be white. This is not so relevant nowadays, because for us, white and color is really doesn't make a difference. At the end of the day, you know, it's going to create that crease or not. Here, it's a problem when it's white. In those days, colored clothing, what, you were able to see the crease better. And white garments, since they were not stained, if you folded it, it wouldn't necessarily create a crease. And finally, we said, out of Kabot Shabbat, Hazal only permitted this with all these conditions, only if you need it for Shabbat, out of uh, you know, because you need it for Shabbat, you have no other shirt. If you have not something else, you can't fold it. There's really one more condition that we didn't list in our four, and that is that a garment that's being folded has to be used on Shabbat because otherwise you have the issue of preparing a garment from Shabbat till after Shabbat. That last condition we left it by itself because we'll get to it later on when we see. Now, this Gezerah, this decree by the rabbis of forbidding a person to fold his clothing on Shabbat is defined a little bit different, you know, in a different way by different Rishonim. The Beit Yosef brings three different approaches to how to define the Isur of folding one's garment on Shabbat. Most Rishonim understand it in its simple form. The Gemara was Oser. The Gemara, the rabbis forbade a person to fold his clothing on Shabbat, period. I don't care how you fold it, it's Asur. Folding your garments on Shabbat, that's Asur. However, there's an opinion that the Beit Yosef brings on, the opinion of the Mordechi and the Rabiyah on the Rishonim, that hold that this is only forbidden when one folds on the lines. For example, take, take a person's pants or shirt. You see how there's creases already? The Isur where Hazal told you you can't fold your clothing, that's only if you fold on the line because when you fold on the line, then you're keeping its shape, which is like the same thing as creating a crease. You're keeping it in its crease. That's when it looks like you're fixing the garment. 
But if you don't fold on the lines, you don't fold on the crease, it's not a problem. That's not what Hazawar goes there on. And then you have a third approach. This is the opinion of the Kolbo. The Kolbo has an interesting take on this. Gezerah, he holds that the whole decree of folding garments doesn't apply in our days. And the Kolbo, by the way, lived 700 years ago. He says in our days, in their days, what the Gemara was talking about is that they made a special fold. They folded the garment in a special way that it created decrease forever. Because eventually they would put it under a press and that's how it's going to be. That's not the way we fold our clothing today. Even when we fold it on the lines, we're not really creating anything new. So therefore, according to the Kobo, in our days, you can even fold your clothing on the crease. Not a problem. On the lines, according to the Kobo, this is not an issue. This Gezera doesn't apply in our days. We're, our folding is not as professional as it was in their days. These are just opinions of the Rishonim. However, when it comes to Halakha, the Shohan Aruch brings the opinion of Mosri Shonim as a Stam, which means you're not allowed to fold the clothing unless you have the four conditions above. And then he brings the opinion of the Mordechai and the Rabiyah as Veyesh Bishi Omer, which means usually under the rules, when the Halakha is like Stam and Yesh, we rule like the Shohan Aruch when he says in the Stam. But over here, Maran concludes with the words which means he's going with the opinion of the Mordechai and Rabiyah that hold, that the whole Isur of folding a garment or folding your clothing that's a Surah Shabbat, is only when you fold on the crease. Where you don't fold on the crease, you fold off the lines, it's not an issue. This is this seems to be the opinion, not only of the Shohan Aruch, but if you look in the Mishnah Burah, he says, Most of the Ahronim also went with this opinion of Shohan Aruch. Anyway, for us, Faradim, the fact that Maran says, This is going to be and Isur according, I mean, excuse me, this is going to be the deen according to, this is going to be the halakha to the Sfaradim who follow usually the rulings of the Shahan Aruch. So, therefore, to fold a garment on the lines is Asur. However, to fold it off the line when it's not exactly on the line, it seems to be from the words of Shahan Aruch that it, it is mutar because he's not creating anything significant. Now, what about now what about certain garments when don't have you know they don't have lines could you fold them so here we get to exceptions on the rule of folding garments remember the problem is that you're shaping it it looks like you metakemana so you're keeping it in the shape or you're shaping a garment in a certain way by creating a crease that's the problem however when a garment doesn't have creases, and when you fold it, you don't really create any creases, then, poskim bring down, that's not an issue. This is folding a garment that's not really creating any creases, that's not keeping it to a certain shape, that's not a problem. You want examples? I'll give you examples, many examples. First of all, undergarments. If you, let's say, you take off your undershirt, you don't create really any lines that are significant. You don't care about those lines. Also, thick sweaters that don't have lines if you fold them it doesn't shape in any form or way also let's say you want to fold a cover Shabbos is beautiful the weather is nice and now you don't need that extra cover on your on your on your bed and you want to fold it and put it away oh you're folding it there's no lines there's no creases over here 
So that all that is permitted. That's mutar. That's not a problem. There's no lines. There's nothing. You're not fold, Not only you're not folding on the lines. There's nothing. Your folding is not significant. You're not even creating lines over here. Even if it would stay like this for a long time, maybe lines will be created. But that's not your purpose. And certainly, you're not doing it in such a way. Now, there's also a heter that's brought down. I call this a heter because lechatela wants you to avoid such a thing. But the Shevet Levi brings down that if you have garments where the creases are so sticking out that the moment you take off this clothing it right away shapes into the crease for example you have a brand new suit or you have a suit that just came out of the you know the dry cleaners you just got it from the dry cleaners and you can see the beautiful crease on the pants the moment you take off your pants usually the pants fold right away back into the crease so such a suit to put it on a hanger to hang it up on Shabbat, that's not a problem. According to Shabbat Levi, that's not a problem because you're not really careful to put it on the crease. It naturally goes right back to the creases. So therefore, just to fold it over one way and to hang it on a, on a, on a hanger, that is not called a problem of folding your garments on Shabbat. Now, things that are also that don't require any effort at all, also is not considered a problem. For example, by your collar. You know, when you pick up the collar, now could you fold it back down? You're folding it on the lines. There, everybody agrees by the collar, whether it's on your jacket or it's on your shirt, that, that doesn't require any effort. That's how you get dressed. That's not something that I have to go out of my way to fold it on a certain line. So anything that also doesn't require any extra effort, that will also be mutar and will not be subject to the decree of folding your clothing on Shabbat. So now let's talk some practical halachot after we give the introduction to the Isur of folding garments. Talit. Can one fold his talit on Shabbat? So the Gemara that we quoted before, there over there, there's a Tosafot, very small Tosafot. Tosafot writes over there that based on the ruling of the Gemara that forbade one to fold his garments on Shabbat, it would be forbidden for a person to fold his talit on Shabbat for the after Shabbat. Why? What's the issue? Well, number one is you're folding the talit on the crease. Remember, folding it on the crease, whether you create the crease or you're folding on the crease to keep in the shape, that's a problem of folding garments. Number two is also because over here it might be an issue of hachana. You're preparing. The talit is not being used again on Shabbat. The talit is being folded so you can use it after Shabbat. Folding something that for the sake, you know, let's say you tell me the talit is brand new, it's white, it's not, I'm folding by myself. Okay, you want to tell me you're folding your talit just on your own, not, you know, for using it on Shabbat, I agree. Let's say it's Yom Kippur, you're folding it on Lel Kippur for Yom Kippur, fine, that's fine, even if you do it on the line because you can use it again. But most of the time when people take off the talit in Shabbat morning, they're not using it again. They're using it either the next day on Sunday or next week on Shabbat, but that's hachanah, that's a problem. So when it comes to folding a talit, we find that there's a mahlokit in the Ahronim in how to understand the heter. Remember we said before, most opinions hold. If you don't fold on the lines, it's fine. It's not a problem. Now, why is it not a problem? So according to the Eliyad it's not a problem of folding a garment. Even if you're folding it for the future, Hazar were only gozer that you cannot fold a, a garment 
on Shabbat is when you're folding it. One of the conditions that remember we mentioned, there's a, the decree of folding a garment is that you need to use it on Shabbat. But once you're not folding it on the line, the whole gzirah is gone. The whole decree of folding a garment is gone. And therefore, you could fold your talit for after Shabbat. That's not a problem. Are you preparing? It's not called preparing. That's not a sig- It's not a ma'aseh hashub. If I see my pillow, let's say, you know, I go into my bedroom, I see my pillow on the floor. I don't care about the room being so clean, but I pick up the pillow and I put it on the bed. Is that called preparing something from on Shabbat for after Shabbat? No. I pick it up from the floor and it's not a significant act of preparation. It needs to have some sort of tarha. Preparing something on Shabbat for after Shabbat needs to have some sort of tarha. That's not called preparing. So that's why the Liyad Abba holds it's not a problem. However, the Hayyadam says, although you avoided the problem when you fold your talit, not on the lines, you avoided the problem of folding your garment, but you can't do it from Shabbat to after Shabbat because then you're preparing. So the Mishnah rules like the Liyadabah. He holds, once we're going with the opinion of the Mordechi that holds, folding a garment not on the crease is not an issue. It's not an issue also for doing it after Shabbat. And therefore, according to the Mishnah if you want to fold your talit on Shabbat, for after Shabbat, it's not a problem. You could fold it as long as you don't fold it on the line. You have creases on the line, it's not a problem. You can fold it off the lines. However, the Benish Hai says that when it comes to a regular garment, we have to be mahmi like the Hayy Adam. A regular garment. Which means that, let's say I'm taking off my soup pants and I want to fold it. You know, they don't naturally fold back into their creases. And I want to fold it. And I'm not going to use it on Shabbat. I'm planning to wear a different suit for the afternoon. So there I cannot fold it back on the lines. I have to fold it a little bit off the line. But if it's a mitzvah, like a talit, the Benish High rules like the Aliyah Rabbah, and he holds, if it's a mitzvah folding your talit, you could fold it off the line, even though you're doing it for the next week. However, we don't need, to, for Sfaradim, we don't need to rely on the Benish High really, because the Poskim bring down from the Eretz Hayim, Rab Setehon, who lived in Sfat about 100 years ago, he brings down that the Minhag of the Sfaradim, and that seems to be also the, the, the opinion also of Hakam Abadiyah, in fact, the Old Letzion brings this as, as, a, as, a, as a, with certainty. This is the Minhag of the Sfaradim. The Minhag of the Sfaradim is like the Kolbo, that we are folding, for, when it comes to Talit, we fold our talitot in shul, we rely on the kobo for folding our talitot, even on the lines, without an issue. So, practically speaking, a person, when folding his talit, try not to fold it on the line. You don't have to fold it the exact, you know, some people fold it the exact opposite way. You don't have to fold it the exact opposite way. Just not, don't do it on the line itself. Those who want to be mahmir, and uh, what's it called? You should know, there's some people that take the talitot and they just wrap it up, they roll it up, and they throw, they just put it away like that. Some posts can bring down; they don't look at that favorably because you, what you're doing is, uh, you know, the, there's, you, it's in a way disrespectful to the talit. You're just rolling it up. The best way is don't fold it on the line; just fold it regular without caring that it should be on the crease. Especially when there's a crease and it's very visible, and you do it off the crease, it's not a problem. He's just doing it to put it away. So then you can rely on, certainly there's enough to rely on. And if you're Sfaradi, the Minhag anyway is that way to fold it 
even it, even when you follow on the line, it's not a hakpada. You want to follow off the line. That's also not uh, that's that's even better. And certainly, there's nothing to worry about. One more halacha or two more halachot that have to do with folding clothing. Remember, the issue of folding clothing is because you're shaping it in a certain way. So the poskim bring down when it comes to napkins. A lot of times, people like to decorate their napkins in a certain way when they're putting it on the table. So if you're doing this before Shabbat, it's not a problem. You want to fold the napkin to a certain shape. You want to make it look like it's, uh, I don't know, you know, they have all these different types of uh, ways of folding the napkin that make it look like it has a certain shape. It looks like a duck. It looks like a, whatever it is. To do that before Shabbat, it's not a, it's not a problem. But on Shabbat, Poskim say that's preferable. That person should not fold their napkins to a certain shape. Why? Because it could be an issue of metakin mana. It could be an issue of giving it a shape which looks like, looks like you're creating a keli. They don't bring this with certainty that's asur. They say it's better to avoid it. Why? Because maybe, because the mesupak that maybe doesn't apply, maybe this asur of shaping doesn't apply to something that's disposable. Here, the napkin is disposable. You're going to throw it out right after being used. So it should be avoided. But sounds like if it's a cloth napkin, a person should not shape it. Now, taking a napkin and just randomly putting it, even though it looks nice, for example, you know, the way they do it in the cup, where they just like, they don't shape it in any which way. They just open it up and they dump it into the cup and it looks like uh, there's like some sort of fire coming out of the cup. That's not a problem. We're talking about when you actually shape it in a certain way and those who und- who shape the napkins know what I'm talking about. And if you don't shape your napkins, so anyway, the issue doesn't apply to you. So you don't have the issue. So therefore, shaping napkins and likewise making paper airplanes, making things, shaping them in a certain way should not be done on Shabbat. Another issue that's under the category of shaping things is let's say you have a hat. Most common is in the black hat. And somebody sits on your hat and he crushes it. Are you allowed to shape it back to the way it was? So here we find the split between the poskim in the later Aharonim. Rabbi Yashiv, the Ol Letzion, Huchanim, and they bring down that the Hazon Ish and the disciple themselves also used to not do it. But the Rabbi Yashiv, the Ol Letzion, actually hold that's Asur. It's like it's like Mitaken Mana. Also, you're shaping it. Putting it back in shape is also an issue. However, a lot of other poskim disagree. Rabbi Shlomo Zaman Orbach is Matirit. Hakam also says if you, somebody sits on your hat and they crush it, you're allowed to put it back in the shape. That's not a professional thing. That's not called shaping it. We already had a shape. And such a simple thing that anybody could do is not a problem. You want to do it according to all opinions? You could put it back in shape by a shinui. For example, take a child whose head is going to fit completely in the hat and put it on his hat and shape it. Let him, you know, stick it back out. Then even the ones who forbid it will agree that since you're reshaping in a way that's Mishinui, it's not an Isur. One final point on this halakha before we review everything, and that is that Bidi'avad, one who cleaned his garment on Shabbat, where he did Mamash and Isur, whether he did it with liquid, where it's Isur de Oraita, and suddenly when he did it with Banan, really according to halakha, when somebody does an Isur de Oraita on Shabbat, the Hachami Merik Zerada, you're not allowed to benefit from it on Shabbat. For example, let's say you cook something on Shabbat. By accident, you took something raw, like let's say you took a piece of meat, and you cooked it on Shabbat. So you did, the Isur was done already. Okay, you'll do tshuva, you'll go to Ghanam if you want to go, whatever it is, you're going to 
you know, that the, the Isur is done. The question now is, once the Isur was done, can I benefit from it or not? So here, it depends. If the Isur was done, Bemezid, I did it on purpose, knowing fully, I was fully aware when I did the Isur that this is forbidden on Shabbat. I did it anyway because I didn't care. So then I decided to do Teshuvah. So in such an example, this food or whatever the Isur was that, that was done on Shabbat, any Melechah that was done on Shabbat, I'm not allowed to benefit from this on Shabbat. And in fact, I'm not allowed to benefit from this forever. It's a Ulam. So, but if it was done by Shogeg, it was done by act, I may not benefit from this on Shabbat. But after Shabbat, I'm allowed to benefit. So here in our example, we're learning the subject of Libun, cleaning garments. Amar Hashem, we pretty much covered all the halachot that are on the subject, cleaning with a liquid, without liquid. So, whenever the case is deoraita, like which is wetting a garment. So let's say you had your jacket, you had a stain on it, and you took a baby wipe and you cleaned it. You knew you're not allowed to do it, but you were so embarrassed, but you did it. So the question is, could you wear your jacket on Shabbat or not? You didn't mecha deoraita. So the halacha is like this. You're not allowed to benefit from it. You're not allowed to benefit from the melacha that you did. So if you would not have worn this jacket with the stain. You're not allowed to wear this jacket on Shabbat. Not now and not for any other Shabbat. Because you wouldn't wear it otherwise. But if you were going to wear it anyway, that means, okay, just, you just made it look nicer. But really, if you didn't have the baby wipe, you'd go out like that in this, or under normal circumstances. Yeah, okay, you didn't have a baby wipe. Okay, you still wear it. So you could still take benefit from it because you really, your melacha didn't do anything for you. But one second. If you would not have worn it and now you cleaned it with a baby wipe, you tell me it's Asur Laulam. Well, the Ben brings a way that you could get out of it. And that is dirty your jacket again and then clean it again. That means put a stain back where it was and then either take it to the cleaners or clean it one more time. Then, in such a case, then we say that you really, your actions didn't benefit you because you cleaned it. And you, if you kept it clean, you would have benefited from your action. Now, by dirtying it, we undo the isur that you've done by cleaning it. So this is what this is a halakha. If a person cleans something on Shabbat, which is asumidoraita, if he did it bishogeg, he can't benefit from it till after Shabbat. If he did it bemezid, dirty it again after Shabbat, and then clean it after Shabbat, and then you may benefit from it. With this, Rabbotah, we conclude parashat ve'ihi, we know that there's a lot of detail and I apologize before that I couldn't clarify as much as I want but if you have any questions please call us at the station right now off the air 718-683-5858 or you can text us 347-927-8398 or email us at halakhahour at gmail.com even if we're not here if later on, if you're listening to this in the evening, you can always send us an email. We hope to get back to you. Next week, we are going to the Halachot of Purim for the next two weeks. Then will be Purim, and then afterwards, we can go into the Halachot of Pesach. So, we'll see you next week. Until then, have a wonderful week and the Shabbat Shalom. And we thank JRoot Radio, Ravnissim behind JRoot, and Iran for hosting us. Well, till next time, Shabbat Shalom. And Hodesh Tov Umeborach.